Welcome. You're listening to another edition of Paid, where we share the path God has guided us in our everyday lives. Your host, Jessica, invites you to discover how God is working in your present day. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to our next episode of Paved. Today, we have Beth, who has created the first series of um, Bible studies for women in the language of Swahili. And she's going to join us today and share how her path led her to this creation for women over in Africa. (laughs) You're based out of Kenya, right? I am. We're along the coast of Kenya, about an hour below Mombasa. Okay. So it's right on the Indian Ocean. It's beautiful. Um, Yeah. It's just like a little paradise that we get to live in. Now, if I understand correctly, your story didn't quite start in Kenya, though. So do you want to take us through your story and your path and share us how God has gotten you to where you are today? Yeah, so um, my husband and I were missionaries in Tanzania, East Africa, which is just right below Kenya, for about um, 25 years. And it started down there, really, uh, when God called us to go to East Africa's missionaries. We really didn't know what we were getting into. And he ultimately led us to the city of Dar es Salaam, uh, which has a lot of different faiths in it, not just the Christian faith. And God led us to work with people in in another faith. And as I was working with uh, my husband, I started seeing a great need for women and a real lack of Swahili Bible materials and studies for women in, in their language. And that really disturbed me. And what was available which was so minimal and still is today, um, was really like Western things that were translated for women. And it just wasn't, it didn't speak to their culture, uh, to the women that I was working with. So I began years ago uh, writing a few casual Bible studies here and there and using them with the women and never really thinking that it would go anywhere. And, but I didn't know, I didn't know the path that God was going to uh, take my husband and me on. And so ultimately, um, we had to leave Tanzania um, because of just some different things that happened in the government and nothing that we did wrong, but just uh, the government was not as favorable to foreigners anymore for a period of time. And we got caught in that period of time and had to leave Tanzania uh, about a year and a half ago. It was really hard. It was really sad, but God moved us up the coast to Kenya. And when we got here, I really didn't know what I was going to do. So um, I sat home for a while, learned to paint and draw pictures and, and just kind of was waiting on God and praying and saying, my husband has something. God, what do you want me to do? I had, I had a project in Tanzania I helped start and several other things. And just didn't know what I was going to be doing. And then God led me to a group of pastor's wives um, to start teaching them. And I was really excited about that. And when I started teaching them, I realized that about 60% couldn't read. um, And that was disturbing to me. So I started looking at my old Bible studies and thinking, how can 
I use these Swahili studies I have? Well, he joined me with another uh, woman and the two of us together started brainstorming and we're now um, audio recording, starting to audio record some of my studies as well as put, putting them into print. Uh, my colleague, she is a wonderful artist and very creative. And so she's putting my Word document Bible studies into uh, beautiful books that we will be printing. But we're, I'm also audio recording these so that we can use them uh, with the women that can't read. And so it's really an exciting project. We call it Kujua. And we're hoping to launch a website this year. Kujua means to know because our mission is to teach women to know the Bible so that they can teach other women to know the Bible and that it doesn't matter if you can read or not read or whatever level of education you have. We are hoping to create uh, lessons that can be used by all women using different creative means of teaching, whether it's song, um, drama, audio recordings. So we're going to hopefully also be launching a podcast. We've started, we have one person taped right now, but it, all of this will be in the language of Swahili and will ultimately be available on a website. So we're super excited about that where anyone in the world can, any woman in the world, any person in the world that wants to access this website will have the ability to do so. And we'll have things that are more contextual uh, to Africa, to Eastern Africa, and really all of Africa, I hope. And we hope to uh, get Kenyan women, Tanzanian women, women who know Swahili, that can give testimonies of what God's done in their life, women that can teach Bible studies, all these things done in audio, more written studies that we can hand to women that can read. And uh, yeah, we're just excited. I, I it's just starting, but uh, already we've received some very good responses from people. And so we're excited. Very cool. That's so amazing that you're doing that. I'm curious, what um, made you want to learn the Swahili language? Hmm. That's a good question. So what happened when we moved to Tanzania, it was back in 1996, very few people in the country of Tanzania speak English. There are there there are some more educated people. People living in cities uh, are learning it, but Tanzania the main language is Swahili, and so we were told when we got there by other missionaries, if you don't learn Swahili well, you will not be able to teach people. You will have a less effective ministry. Don't expect to work through a translator. So getting all that information, it was intimidating. And it was hard, but we went to language school for four months and struggled and struggled. And one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. But um, God finally helped us learn it and learn it to the point that we are very comfortable teaching and translating and, and writing and, and doing things like that in it. So I'm really thankful. It was a hard, long journey. But um, now that we're in Kenya, I'm really seeing how God is partnering me with other people that will be able to um, really get my, my, will be able to use the tool that I have of Swahili uh, in ways that I never expected when I was in Tanzania. So I'm really excited about that. It's kind of like I saw, I had no idea why God was bringing us to Kenya. 
I trusted him. But now that I'm here and looking back, I see that this whole long journey or path, if you, which I think works well with your podcast, um, the path that he has taken me on, which many times, you know, we don't see ahead in that path, do we? It, it would be so nice if you could see ahead. And maybe it, sometimes it wouldn't be so nice either. But um, I had no idea where the path was leading. And now that we're here in Kenya, I still don't know where he's going to take Kujua, but I'm really excited about it. So you said you were in Tanzania, but then went to Kenya. Mm -hmm. you, said you had to leave Tanzania. What were mm -hmm. the struggles with leaving Tanzania um, where did you go and how'd you get back to Kenya? Okay. So, um, yeah, we, well, we were in Tanzania 25 years and that's long enough to establish roots. I raised my three children there. One of my daughters was actually born in Kenya because the hospital was better there than in Tanzania. Uh, so, but I raised them in East Africa, which was awesome. And we started some churches, a couple churches, and I have a project that I started down there for young women called Sifa Collective that uh, I loved. We started it in 2013, myself and two other missionary ladies, and it was really hard to leave that. We train about 25 young women a year in handcraft skills, sewing, uh, making hand-dyed fabrics, printing on fabrics, making beautiful bags with leather on them and canvas. And the women, the young women, when they leave the project, get a sewing machine and an opportunity to start their own businesses. And so I've loved that program and God has used it in so many amazing ways in young women's lives. And it was very difficult to leave our staff, my colleagues, and go somewhere else. It all happened during two, uh, the 2020 uh, year, which for all of us was probably a weird year. We had to evacuate Tanzania. We knew we would possibly not get a renewed work permit. We were home in the United States, in my daughter's home actually, in quarantine in her basement and had no idea um, if we could stay in Tanzania or not. While we were there, we got news that we only had one year left in Tanzania. And we began looking for what it was we were supposed to do. So we started praying, God, what do you want us to do? My husband had a job opportunity in the States if things had fallen through in Tanzania. And we looked at Kenya as a possibility, but had no options. So we just prayed, fasted even, and finally decided that we were called to be missionaries still. And then until God closed that door, it wasn't just a particular country. It was an actual calling on our lives. And we had told the Lord we'd go until we retire or whatever. And so uh, we decided to try Kenya with nothing in place. And literally within three weeks of deciding that my husband got an email from a ministry saying, we hear you might move to Kenya. Would you consider moving to this place along the coast? And we thought, well, maybe because they had someone, they wanted him to direct a, a certain program. So that kind of started it. 2020, we went back, finally got back to Tanzania. We moved to Kenya at the very end of 2020 with COVID. <laughs> I shouldn't probably say that. But we, we had COVID when we crossed the border and uh, it was it was a crazy time saying goodbyes, moving our stuff, 
uh, in a truck trying. It was crazy. But God had a plan and we got here and that's how he kind of, you know, little by little through what my husband was doing, he connected me to women that needed Bible training, wanted Bible training, asked me to train them. And that's where this all began. So, yeah, I hope that answered that question. <laughs> I give long answers. That's oh, good. So you fasted. Was there any struggle? Um going back and forth of, should we stay in the U.S.? Is it safer in the U.S. at this time? Um, or should we just trust in the Lord and go to Kenya? All of that. That was, you know, when you're in a basement together, um, it was a nice basement and it had plenty of space for us. But, you know, you're quarantining and your grandkids are upstairs and you can't see them and you're, you know, and you're trying to make the one a really big decision in your life. It was a very strange time. And so one day, you know, we'd wake up and my husband would say, you know, I think we should stay in Africa. And I'd say, but you have this job offer, you know, we should consider that too, since we have nothing for us anywhere else, you know, maybe we should consider that. Then the next day I'd wake up and say, you know, yes, let's go to Africa. I'm with you on this. And my husband would be like, but I really like this job possibility. It's really great. <laughs> I, I'm seriously, and you're in a basement, just the two of you having these conversations with, you know, you can imagine um, there were times we, yeah, there's frustration in that because you're not seeing eye to eye. And literally, it seemed like we were not seeing eye to eye. Literally, it, one day if I saw it one way, my husband saw it the other way. And it was just like that for the whole quarantine time. And then even after we could get out of the basement, but we were still staying down there. Um, and yeah, we that's finally where we were like, okay, we need to fast. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not a big faster, but my husband was like, I'm fasting about this. And I said, you know, I'm going to fast with you because this is so important. I want God to hear us and give us an answer. And finally, I just realized after fasting and we were still praying, I just thought, you know, if the job opportunity was for my husband, not for me. And I just thought, OK, I need to let him make this decision, because if he really believes the job was a good thing, then God would provide for me. And I finally just told him, I said, you know, I'm going to you know how I feel. Well, I really don't think he did because I'd be back and forth just like he was. But anyway, I finally just said, I, I, I can't do this back and forth thing anymore. And I just want you to decide. <laughs> That's when it's good to have the husband kind of, you know, like being the, the leader of the home because it's like, you know what? I, I This is just too much for me. I'm going to spend time with my grandkids. You make the decision. So he said, all right, I'll pray about it one more weekend. This was like a Friday. And he said, I'll give you a decision by Monday. So I'm like, okay, that's good. <laughs> I said, that's what I want. Of course, the whole weekend, I knew in my heart by that time, I really wanted to stay in East Africa. I, I pictured myself working in a TJ Maxx in the place where his job was. If I was like, an, that was not a good picture. If we stayed in the States, I was like, that's what's going to happen. I'll be working in TJ Maxx for the rest oh, of the day. <laughs> you know, you, I don't know, you know, when you're in quarantine, weird, weird thoughts go through your mind. But um, anyway, so we waited, I waited over the weekend. I did feel some nervousness. I was praying a lot. And then Monday morning when my husband woke up, I'm like staring at him like, all right, give me that answer right now. And um, <laughs> he's like looking at me. He likes to make me wait on things. Anyway, uh, he was like, I know that feeling. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, he was like, well, I know God wants us in East Africa still. We're going to go to Kenya. And so that was preceding three weeks later when we got, when he got an offer for a position in, in um, the place that we live now here south of Mombasa. So God, I think God just wanted us, wanted to see, are you willing to do this still? Or are you going to take the job in the States? And I'm not saying that if we had taken that, that would have been, maybe he would have had the Maybe he would have led us either direction and it would have been fine. But somehow we are so thankful for this uh, direction he's taken us on and that we are here. And the more the longer we've been here, a year and a half now, we're just seeing more and more how God's opening doors for us to minister to people. Um, and for me, with this whole Swahili woman's website and uh, content and materials we're putting together, there's... a Two, there are 200 million uh, Swahili speakers in the world. It, the UN, there's, you can go online and the UN has something from December that uh, tells you that. And as well as that, uh, it is one of the top 10 most spoken languages in the world. So the fact that women have nothing, and really there's not a lot for men, there's more, but there's there's really not a lot. And there's not a lot of Christian materials that are contextual to the people who speak Swahili. So I just pray that God will just allow my colleague and I, little by little, to connect to other people, other women especially, Swahili speakers, uh, that will be able to help us put this all together. So I, I'm just thrilled. We'll see what this year brings. Hopefully there will be a website launched out there by the end of year <laughs> that we can get to. So earlier you said that you're making an audio version of these Bible studies. Is there a reason for that? Yeah. For the women that cannot, that do not have a reading culture and have not grown up with books, uh, they're under they, their education. They, they had limited education. Uh, and there's there's many East African women that are in that situation, but they have access to digital. They can get access to the Internet through their husband's phone or a friend of theirs phone. And we are also partnering with a organization called Theovision out of Nairobi that just last week came and did a seminar for us where they're giving out MP3 players to women, and we can actually help them download our digital content onto those MP3 players. They're solar powered. You can use them in any village. And so the whole idea is it's getting Swahili co Christian content out there, mostly for women, but it's also helping this segment of the population that is an oral learning uh, culture. And they like, they like to hear and learn that way. And so we're working on that and different methods of uh, Bible studies where you listen and you ask questions and you sit in a group and discuss those questions from what you've heard. Last week we had special training. We brought a lady down from Nairobi and she did special training with 19 women that live in villages on how to charge these solar powered um, MP3 players. And we will be putting some of this audio content on there for those women. So we will also put it on the website. So people who want to teach women that are audio learners, say you have someone up in 
some village in, in northern Kenya, but they have either an MP3 player or a phone, they can download and take it to women that they're trying to reach and help as well and let them listen to these things as well. So we're hoping that um, that little by little people will see that they can use these tools, not just for themselves if they look at it online, but they will be tools designed to help women that can read to start Bible studies with women that can't read and to give them tools, as well as we'll be trying to uh, more and more get these MP3 players into the hands of women that can't read at all. Uh, the whole idea, we're trying to empower them to see that even if you can't read words, you can listen, you can memorize, you can lead a Bible study by just listening and asking three simple questions about what you just listened to. And uh, we last week when we brought this woman from Nairobi, she showed them how to ask these very these three very simple questions. And we saw some really great answers from what these women listened to, just a chapter of the word of God, answering three questions and getting some really great biblical depth out of out of what they heard. So it's really exciting. Uh, we always think we have to be able to read to learn, but it's not true. What were the, are they three questions that are kind of uh, yeah, I, repetitive or are they more like specific to the scripture they're reading? It's three questions that you can use over and over. So they start, this is from the Theovision uh, ministry in Nairobi. It starts with your head where you hear. So you have to hear it first. And then it moves into your heart with what you've learned. So what did you hear? What did you learn? And then with your hands, what will you do? And it's just that simple. So if they remember head, heart, hands, they can remember the questions. It's just really basic, but you would be surprised at the answers when you said, what did you hear? So they just repeat. They don't add any kind of lesson to it. Just repeat what you heard. And usually because it's done in a group, not everyone heard all the chapter, but together when they start giving their answers, they've heard most of it or all of it between all of them. And then what have you, what did you learn? And so then they take what they heard and talk about what they've learned from what they've heard. And then, okay, now that you've learned something, heard it, learned it, what will you do with your hands? What will you do when you go out there or, or in your own life? And, and so it's really neat. It's, it's so simple, but it's actually very powerful. Yeah, that that is so simple but I can see how it can be so powerful. Now you said that they are audio learners. Is that part of their culture? How does that integrate into their daily lives? So I'm not an anthropologist, and, but I have lived here a long time. And people who are in environments that don't have books and reading and lots of education tend to be very good storytellers. They also tend to hear way better than those of us and have listening skills far superior to those of us who depend on the written word. It's really amazing, actually. So a lot of the women I've started working with, if I teach a lesson to them, they are listening and they're able to take that and go tell other people. It's quite incredible, actually, for the ones that don't read. 
for those who read, you know, if they're not taking notes, they're not going to remember it. And that's how we are. I mean, if like, you know, I can forget something you said 30 seconds ago so easily because I am so reliant on the written word. And if I don't write it down, I forget it, you know, <laughs> but it doesn't. But these ladies have, if they want to learn something, if they want to remember something, they just have to hear it and remember it. So they have honed their skills a lot of times to be able to actually remember well what they've heard. So that, that's really exciting and it really helps them. So if they do lessons like this and they do it together in a group and they reinforce it with questions and answers as a group, they really remember it. And they go out and they tell other people because they're an oral culture. So when they hear it, they speak it um, because that's the only, they can't write it for anyone. They didn't read it anywhere. They heard it, they tell it. And it's just, it's really neat. And Africans are great storytellers. They love stories. So the Bible stories are amazing. You know, if you use those, oh, they love it. They love to act out, act out the story. Like you can um, read the story and have a group of women acting it out. And they just have the best time doing that, which is just so much fun because we American women, you know, that might be a little bit like, oh, I don't know. You know, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want, you know, I can't. We're so self-conscious and they are so much more free um, to express uh, the beauty of God's word in different ways. And that's really exciting. And I can't wait as we explore this more and more to see where God takes us. There's still more path ahead. I'm praying. I, I hope there's a good long path that leads into really great, great, um, great scenery and great learning experiences and just great things being done for God. Yeah. So have you, what kind of success have you had with this yet? Have you introduced your Bible study to women yet? And yes, action, what, what's going on? Yeah. So I know you and I talked about a month or so ago. <laughs> and at that point, I had not. We were getting them ready. But since then, yes, I have. Uh, I met with a group of pastor's wives about three weeks ago on a Saturday and took one of these new books that my colleague helped put together for me. And I sat with the ladies and I also have a series of questions that were my own that are different from this Theovisions. Uh, there's more questions, there's eight. But this set of, this Bible study I gave them is on the fruit of the spirit and it has maybe 20 something lessons. So they, it's about, if they meet once a week, it's almost half a year of lessons that they can sit and work on the fruit of the spirit. And it's very simple. They just read, th read through or listen because I have audio recorded it, scriptures. And then they sit around in a group and go through the questions one by one. And it's like, where do you see God in this? Where do you see man in this? Um, list any blessings um, that you see here. List any warnings from God or punishments that could be there. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think through them all. How, how would you use this to advise or to help give advice to someone you know? How would you apply it in your life? There's a few more questions my 
it's <laughs> several hours after you write, it's nighttime here and I'm starting. <laughs> but um, anyway, so they went, I, I actually sat with them in a group and we did one of the, one of the studies that way and they loved it. And then I broke them into small groups and listen to them. I appointed a leader in each group and it helps if you have a reader. And so I've encouraged those who can't read. Uh, these are all pastor's wives and 60, 50 to 60 percent of the pastor's wives in this group could not read. So I encouraged them that day to bring a reader with them. So there were pastor's wives and readers. And we had about 35 ladies that day and broke them into small groups. And I went around and listened from group to group and they were getting it. And it's really cool. So um, because you hear the verses, they read through them once or twice, maybe three times. And then they just sit around and discuss, but you can't answer. You cannot give just your own answer. Like, oh, this week I heard on the radio, this preacher was saying this, or, you know, my neighbor told me this, or I learned this from my mother. You can't do that. It's like the answers have to be in the scriptures that you're given. So for instance, love, I have three sections on love and it's, it's verses from the scriptures that teach you about love, what the love of God is, what love is between man, uh, humans. And they just sit there and, and listen to the, uh, about eight scriptures, nine scriptures, read through them a couple of times, answer these questions. And it's that simple. And I was amazed. When I did the big group, I learned things from them. I was like, wow, I never thought about that before. And it was just, what it was really the answers. And what were some of the things? Okay, So I did a, the, the first one I did with the big group wasn't on the fruit of the spirit. That's what I divided them into. The first one I did on the woman at the well. And so we read the story where Jesus meets the woman at the well. And they all immediately said, oh, you know, because the Bible says she was a woman that had was living with a man and had had. I think five other husbands or something. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, she went to the well at 12 noon. And they said, we go to the well in the morning and not by ourselves. And they said, that shows she did not go with the other women because the other women did not want to be with her because she wasn't a good woman. And then they said, but Jesus cared about her, even though she was not a good woman. Um, and so little things like that there, oh, I'm trying to remember what else they said, but the one big thing they saw in that they said, wow, you know, they live in a culture. All of these women live in a male dominated culture in a bad way. There's so many cultural things in their tribes that are, are just uh, difficult for us as Western women to understand. And so they said, all of them were like, we see that Jesus loves women so much that he would send his disciples away so that he could be there to talk with her privately. And he cared that much. And to plan that meeting, that he would be there at that time when she was coming all by herself. And I just thought that was really beautiful because um, they don't experience that kind of love from men, that kind of attention from um, even their own husbands. And so the fact that Jesus would drop everything else he did to make sure that he met with this woman um, was just a beautiful thing to them. Yeah, that, that's so interesting. I never thought it, of that 
that way that their culture is probably the closest to the culture of when Jesus lived. And so they read the Bible differently. That's amazing that yeah. you get to experience that. Yeah, it was, I know there were a few other things they said, I cannot remember them right now, but in the moment I thought, wow, these, I mean, I've been a Bible teacher for many years and I mean, no one knows the Bible perfectly ever, but feel like I have a good grasp of it. And then I'm sitting there with these, these women from villages that don't have a reading culture, don't have a Bible, don't have a high school education, much less a Bible education. And they're teaching me. And that's the whole purpose of these groups. And that's something we're trying to teach these women is that in the group, we all learn from each other. We allow the Holy Spirit to work through his word and show each of us different things as he's working in different ways in our lives. But we all look at the same scriptures and look for our answers in the scriptures. And it's incredible to me the answers that people come up with and 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 we learn from each other. And I was really inspired when I walked away that day. You know, you think you go in as the teacher, but then you realize, wow, these ladies, yes, this is their culture. They haul water. I don't. I, you know, I don't walk a mile to a well and get my water and bring it back and you know and and they do and I don't wear the long long gowns they're still wearing them I mean it's like they carry the bucket on their head and and it's like for a man to uh speak to them uh, at a well too um is is quite impressive because the men don't really want to have a lot to do with the women a lot of times so anyway it was really neat what are your thoughts as they grow their community, do you think they'll lose this culture? And what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, as education comes in, as the Kenyan government is educating more women, uh, younger women, uh, it, I suppose little by little, they might lose some aspects of the culture. Uh, as far as getting an education, I don't think that's ever a bad thing. Uh, Oral learning is a good thing. It's it's a wonderful thing. I hope they don't lose their storytelling abilities and their joy in acting out stories. But on the other hand, it is easier to learn when you can read, mm -hmm. but it's not impossible to learn when you can't. And so I think over time, these cultures will change, but it, they're still a long ways out from changing um, the, the tribe's that I'm currently working with, um, how would I phrase it? Still are still very traditional and and resistant somewhat to change, and have a lot of traditional beliefs built in that um, uh, use maybe how would I say it? Since this is public, I want to be careful how I say it. They rely on natural um, remedies in the spiritual world very much. And when I say spiritual, I don't mean what the Christian spiritual aspect more. The, they believe there's a heavy belief in demons still. There's a heavy belief in using witchcraft and uh, charms and potions and, and spells to protect yourself 
from the forces that are out there. So until that is, until the gospel gets into this culture, the one tribe I work with is probably 60% or more traditional beliefs like this still. And hold, and even ones who have become Christianized, uh, if they're not true believers, still practice these things secretly. So, um, yeah. How does that affect what you do? It's difficult to talk about because I, in this day and age, with just with attentions all over the world about uh, race and different things. That is so not what I'm I'm into or about. And I just, I love the Kenyan people I work with and I'm so thankful for them. But the some of these beliefs still hold them in, in difficult places and, and especially places of fear. And I think that is the biggest thing is that it's a control, like a power and fear. And so whoever has the most power, which is often in a village, the, the, the traditional healer or the witch doctor. And so these people hold a lot of power over people because they use fear as their main way of trying to keep people in control. And when you're in these villages where education has not come in yet, and the Bible has not been fully accepted at, or the truth of the gospel has not uh, changed lives, you see people in bondage to fear and power. And African, traditionally, the, the strong leader is the one who, um, who rules. And, and it's, it's, it's a hard thing to see. And so we, we haven't come into um, any difficulties with it per se, except there have been people who have been skeptical of what we're doing and perhaps warning people to not get too close because of what we believe and what we teach. Okay. So on the, on the Paith podcast, we like to share a Bible verse that has supported you through your journey. Would you like to share that? I would. Um, I have a few, but I think the one that has kept me through and going the longest, I think, is one that God gave me when my husband and I first became missionaries and we were traveling around the United States telling people what we were doing. And I remember just having fear myself, like, I can't do this. What am I doing? I don't know anything about Tanzania. I don't, I've got two little girls. I've got to take them over there. I don't, I, I really don't know what I'm doing. And also I was being asked to speak sometimes in churches and I was scared to death. I mean, I, you know, I was in my late twenties. I was like, Oh, I, this was before social media. Nobody was doing selfies. No one was doing videos of themselves. And, you know, I had no experience in that. So I was really scared. And, and one time before I was going to share with a group and was scared to death, God showed me First uh, Corinthians five twenty four, and I am going to paraphrase it because I don't think I have my Bible up right here. But it basically says, "Faithful, faithful is He. He is God. Faithful is He who called you. He will certainly do it." And as God has called me on this journey and on this path to follow through life of serving him on a foreign field. 
I have not known how I was going to do a lot of things. Writing Bible studies in Swahili, now trying to put it, starting a project in Tanzania that's still going so strong because of the Lord. Um, now starting a new project this year uh, to get Swahili content out there. This is nothing that I ever thought I could do or would be doing in my life when I was younger. And But it's the whole purpose of that verse is that it isn't me. Um, I didn't call myself to do this. And I'm not the one that ultimately is giving the strength and the power to this. It's God. And he is faithful. I'm not faithful. I wanted to run away from some of the stuff I was doing many times. It was hard having power cuts all the time in Tanzania for many years. I'd just be crying, terrible traffic in the city we lived in, heat, bugs, uh, people that were out to get my husband because they didn't like what we were doing. Just a lot of a lot of things throughout the years and just misunderstandings all the time, Swahili mistakes, uh, cultural mistakes. And I would just sometimes cry disease. We were sick a lot uh, in the early years. And I just want to leave. And I'd be like, I'm just, I just want to go home. And I tell my husband, I can't do this anymore. I don't have the strength to do this. And then I'd stop and pray. And God would remind me of this verse he gave me back when we first became missionaries. And he'd be like, Beth, who's faithful? And I'm like, God, you're faithful. And who called you? It's you, God. And then I, it was like, I just hear him saying, did I call you? Do you believe that? And I'd be like, yes, you did. And then it's like he was saying, and who will do it? <laughs> Like you got, it. you'll do it. And so every single time when I want to jump off that path and find another one <laughs> that takes me somewhere where I think it's better, uh, God reminds me of First First Thessalonians five twenty four that He's faithful, He's called me, and He's the one that's surely, surely going to do it. And that just gives me great encouragement. It doesn't depend on me, thank God, because if it did, yeah, we wouldn't be having this conversation tonight. You wouldn't you would have never heard anything. So, anyway. so if you could give people one piece of advice, what would it be? Don't be afraid to surrender everything to God. And that's hard. It's hard as an American. I remember one night laying in bed after he, well, let me back up before that. My husband and I, when we first got married, we were at um, a church that was having a missions conference. So missionaries were speaking from China. This was 1987, uh, 89, nope, 87, after we got married, just a couple months. And we were both really convicted by God that, you know, maybe he doesn't want us to do missions. We had no idea. It wasn't on our radar at that time. Uh, but we just felt really burdened together. God just worked on both of us to to just make a commitment to God that night that we were willing to do whatever he wanted us to do. It doesn't mean he'll call you to Africa. I mean, he could. it, it doesn't mean he'll make you leave the United States. That's not it. But it, it's just that we need to be willing as Christians in this day and age to let God know that we're willing to be used however, wherever, and whenever for him. I don't think too many Christians are willing, and I, I'm not saying this to be harsh, but as I look, every time I return to the States and I look at, at the Christians around me uh, as I travel around the U.S., 
I'm just so concerned and burdened that we are so attached to the life that we have there and that's quickly changing for a lot of us. And we're trying to put trust more in the things that keep us feeling safe and finding that safe place instead of trusting in God and knowing that there is no safer place than in his hands. And that was finally the point my husband and I came to after he called us to be missionaries. Um, it wasn't easy to take our kids at the time to the sec third poorest country in the world that it was full of diseases and horrible traffic accidents all the time and things that really caused me fear. And finally, you know, I realized that even though there's no good hospitals there and you know, we were putting, you know, definitely bringing a four and six year old into this environment was not easy for me. Um, and I had to finally say, God, it's, I know that I am safe with you. My girls are safe with you. And I have to trust that whatever that means, that there is no safer place to be on earth than right in the center of your will for us. And so that would be my challenge is just Give your heart, give your life to God, trust him with it. Um, I love what we've done. My girls loved being raised in East Africa. We have no regrets and we've been through some hard things, but we've experienced some amazing things as well. And I think that's the whole journey of life. That's the whole path he puts us on. But he wants us to commit. He wants us to love him more than anything and trust him. And that would be my advice. Give, give it to God and trust him with it. Trust him with that path that he knows where it's going. Don't try to find your own path. That's amazing. That's an awesome way to end the show. Thank you for that. And uh, your path, I don't, I can't even imagine experiencing what you've been through. Um, and it's just so amazing to listen to. Thank you for coming on today's episode of Faith and tune in next time as we share another God's path. Thank you for joining us on today's path. To get an official paid shirt, go to paid.life. Be sure to follow and subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And we look forward to you finding the path that God has laid for you.